The topic for today's program is, I'm sure, fairly familiar with many of our female listeners. Why won't the male in our life go and have his health checked? What's the common factor that stops them? Hello, welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and my guest today has a couple of reasons for helping me to try and solve these problems. One, that the Freemasons of Australia and New Zealand are making this a project to encourage men to go, and the second, he is in his role as a doctor. Dr. Greg Levenston, welcome to the program, and thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you very much, and I'm pleased to be here. I understand that your position is that of Deputy Grand Master Freemasons New South Wales and Australia. Can you tell me a bit about what that position entails and how long you've had it? Yeah, sure, Iris. Um, just a, a quick rundown on myself. I've been a Mason uh, for 15 years. My father was a Mason and uh, I guess my mother said to me, uh, son, when are you going to ask your dad about joining Freemasonry? And I went over and asked him and he said, it took you long enough to ask me. And I joined then, my brother joined the year after, and his eldest son, my nephew, is also in the craft. But that's, that's general Freemasonry. If we're talking about the Deputy Grand Master position, the craft is run in the jurisdictions of New South Wales ACT being a jurisdiction by Grand Lodge, which is an administrative or governance umbrella that all the men in New South Wales and the ACT, of which we have about 16,000. And the Grand Master's position is one of being elected by the brethren in the jurisdiction, and he appoints uh, the Deputy Grand Master and the Assistant Grand Master. I was the Assistant Grand Master under Most Worship Brother Tony Lauer, the ex-police commissioner, who was our Grand Master before. And the current Grand Master has appointed me the Deputy. This is my second year as the Deputy Grand Master. What's the difference between Deputy and Assistant? Well, the craft constitutionally always has a deputy. Uh, and if there is enough work to do, and there is certainly in the last decade, then the Grand Master will also appoint an assistant to help him. Uh, and the help is required within the governance. So we, we sit on the boards of general purpose, uh, or board of management, and the board of Masonic Hair, which is our charitable arm, and we also sit on Executive Council, which makes decisions that are forwarded by those boards so that we can run the organisation. Now, if there's enough work, we have an assistant as well, and we have, as I said, had one for the last decade. Freemasons tend to be held a little in awe by the rest of the community with the assumption that you're up somehow different from the rest of us. Is this a true recognition by the rest of the community? Iris, it, it's a perception. Freemasonry is at sometimes open and sometimes perceived to be closed. We, I think, over the last 50 years have been in an ice age where we have isolated ourselves from our communities. And this process of men's health, no more secrets, is part of us coming back into those communities. We, we are an organisation primarily of men, uh, the oldest men's organisation in the world going back hundreds of years and we are there to support and provide fellowship for the men, the families and communities. But we are of our communities and we are for our communities. Uh, and we are removing that curtain of secrecy 
and coming back into the community to help, as we have always done, but maybe not as perceived to be doing. I guess that that sort of fills both the roles of certainly of today's program and what you've been trying to do through the last month, and that is to encourage men to not be secretive about their health. So how did the organisation come up with the idea of getting the men to realise that they really do need medical checkups on a regular basis? Well, I guess that's a, that's a convoluted way we got. First of all, we are a men's organisation and we have in Australia and New Zealand, because the process is over the two countries, we have more than 80,000 men who are members of this organisation, Freemasonry. Around the world, probably uh, 6 million members around the world. We are primarily a men's organisation and have been that for 300 years. We decided to look at badging uh, the secrets of men's health to the secrets, perceived secrets of our organisation. We are an organisation that isn't secret. We certainly have secrets. Most of those are recognition signs that the men enjoy uh, so they know who is a mason, who is not a mason. But we're certainly not secretive. Part of this uh, secretive process we're trying to get rid of it is coming onto a show up. So we're on national television, we run a major website, we are there for people to look at us and, and involve themselves in us. But being a men's organisation, it then, uh, with my position uh, as a Deputy Grandmaster and also a doctor, it seemed a natural mix that we should look at the men in the organisation see how healthy they are. And maybe we could improve that health uh, and that's what we're trying to do. You mentioned that you are, of course, a, a doctor of medicine. How long have you been practising? A good word for, for general practice, isn't it? You practice till you get better at it. <laughs> uh, I, I qualified uh, through University of New South Wales and uh, came out in 1976. Uh, the usual chequered career early on, did a lot of paediatrics, did a lot of uh, emergency medicine at St George and eventually went into general practice. Uh, and I've been practising the eastern suburbs for about 25 years now. I guess that... In your role as a, a general practitioner, you've seen a lot of the problems firsthand of men not doing anything about their health, leaving it until it's basically too late. Yeah, general practice is a funny thing. When I started off, uh, you tend to see families and kids and that sort of stuff. But as you age yourself, so does the profile of your practice. So my practice these days is very much a practice of men seeking guidance from a male GP of their age. I'm now uh, 54, and I guess a lot of my practice is men between the ages of 40 and 60. And that is a natural mix and works very well. Is this problem of the men not seeking help, is that one that goes to Western men, or is this a common factor around the world? Well, I can say it's a common factor in Western society because that's the one I deal with primarily. Mm. I suspect, though, the problem is the Y chromosome. I expect it's a generic round-the-world thing that men just will not reach out to seek guidance and help as soon as they ought to. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing primarily men here, but my, my anecdotal evidence is that that's around the world. Do you think that some men think they're invincible, or is it more that they're afraid to find out if there's a problem? Oh, look, it's a bit of all of that. Certainly fear is a factor, fear of the unknown. They don't want to know the numbers even if they go and seek advice. They just they don't want it brought out into the open where it ought to be. Uh, they sometimes come here uh, 
because there's been a a change in their in their life uh, has precipitated the call. Something has gone wrong, either with themselves or with a friend. I mean, quite commonly they'll say, "Listen, somebody I know really well has had a heart attack or his prostate," and that will be a trigger for them to come along. Um, and I'm quite happy that that has been the trigger, but but they're just not used to doing it early enough and soon enough to make it part of their life. Is it really hard to impress on men that prevention really is better than cure? Well, once we get them, it probably isn't, but it is a challenge. It's that challenge of change that is what this initiative is about. It's trying to get them into seminars to talk about the fact they should be just looking after themselves, but it's then it's a matter of how to create that change in their attitudes. And the, the seminars primarily are there to present up-to-date information. And I'm of the opinion that an educative program where current information is offered will get them to change their behaviour better than anything else, even um, scare tactics. I'm much in favour of education and information. Dr Greg Levinston is my guest today and we're talking about Men's Health Campaign, No More Secrets. Dr Levinston, at what age should men seriously think about starting to have health checks? The seminar programme we're running, and I guess general practice as well, would say from 18 onwards, uh, we look at, uh, at men. Our organisation covers men from 18 to 118, when we're primarily aged skewed, but that doesn't mean that we're not uh, quite interesting to the 18 to 40-year-olds who find our continuity and tradition uh, very interesting in a changing world. But we're aiming this health check from 18 onwards, and we produced a, a booklet that looks at the sort of health areas you should be noting yourselves per 10 years. By way of an example, the 18 to 30 year old whose major problem I suspect is trauma or, or motor vehicle accidents or those sort of issues should be self-examining his testes to see whether he has carcinoma of the testes. And that's a very important and common problem in that age group. And, and the men that I come up in that age group uh, come in contact with would never think of doing it. And it's an issue that we are trying to educate them on just as much as we're trying to educate the more elderly to look at their heart and blood sugar and cholesterol and prostates. Um, we are aiming in our seminars to get to the 40 to 60 year old to, to start them on the process of medical review. It's not easy, but uh, with the help of your program and others, we are getting that message out there. When you get a, a man come into your surgery, what sort of thing are you looking for for that first meeting and he's come in and said, look, I really think I need a check-up. Where do you start? I'd be very pleased if he actually did say that. Most of the time he comes in because his toes sore or he wants his ears unwaxed or, and then we will look at some issues. But primarily we'll take a little history from him and find out where he's coming from and who he is and what he does. There may be a family history of some problem I need to know, but he may have a problem with work or or an interpersonal problem, so we look at that. Then we, then we primarily examine him and look at general numbers. I need to weigh him, check his height, and have a look at something that's called a body mass index, which tells us how heavy he is compared to his height. Uh, we would want to know his blood pressure, and I'd send him off to have some blood tests as well, and we'd discuss some lifestyle things like smoking and drinking and, and exercise and, and diet, some general screening as we get him into the system. So... Have you found that the men that you do see for these checkups that they are getting more weightier? 
Oh, absolutely sure. I think this is a community problem. When we we ran a uh, a major seminar in Sydney in July in order to create a DVD that we could pass around the country and the towns and and uh, the individual communities free of charge. The DVD was um, keynote address was from Tony Abbott, the Federal Minister for Health and Aging, and we we're very pleased to have Tony there telling us uh, some basics about health in the community today and the government perspective but the main one that he spoke about for 10 minutes was obesity and it is a it is a community issue that involves our children and our women and men right across the spectrum and, and it's not just the men I think everybody mm. it's um it's certainly one that seems to be um, very prevalent here in in the hunter and I guess it's the same everywhere Oh, I, I would think so. I, don't, mm. I think it goes right across communities. Mm. Now, you've got him there. You've measured his body mass index, BMI. What other checks do you do? You said about a blood test. What do you look for in a blood test? Uh, we run a, a general screening test on fasting blood. So I tell him uh, if he wasn't fasting then, please come back tomorrow or I'd organise the pathologist to take a check on his blood sugar, which we'll be looking primarily uh, whether there's an indication for diabetes. Uh, we checked the cholesterol and triglycerides and maybe his HDL so we could look at his body fats and see whether that is an issue in relation to heart or blood vessel disease such as strokes. We would also look at his liver and kidney function test which we can do on blood as well as taking his blood pressure just to make sure that the blood is going round in a healthy fashion. Uh, we would uh, check a PSA which is, uh, we keep that till the end here, so we can maybe talk about the prostatic-specific antigen, which is a, a prostate number that uh, a lot of men would be aware of and more men should be aware of. Uh, take some urine, uh, have a look at his skin and his teeth, and uh, maybe offer a test on his faeces as well. Now, double back a little bit on PSA. This is to check his prostate and, yeah. and how it's, it's working or not working. Is this done as part of a, a blood test? Uh, yes. The PSA, prostate-specific antigen, is a blood test. It is, uh, I don't really want to use the word screening test because PSA is useful uh, and it also should be accompanied by a physical examination of your prostate, putting a finger into the rectum of the man and feeling the prostate, which just sits next to the lower part of his bowel and we have a good idea of how big it is or whether it's hard or soft or whether it's hurting him. So the physical examination in context with that PSA result gives us a fair idea of what his prostate mm. is doing at his age. We need that blood test, that PSA blood test, to come back to us with an answer that's primarily less than four. Uh, the units are, are not that important, but the answer is four. It does go up a little bit as you get older. It can go up if you have a benign increase in the size of your prostate or you might have an infection in your urine, your bladder or your prostate, which is commonly seen in younger males. That can put the PSA up at the time and we need to know its actual number and we need to know what that number is doing over time. It's allowed to go up by three quarters of a of one unit per year, uh, and remember that we still need it to be under four units total. So we ask the men 
to find that number out, which we do. We ask the men to track their own numbers as well as their J GPs and, and empower them to take an interest in what that number is doing. If it suddenly pops up by more than three quarters of a unit in the year, then a, a flag would go up. Uh, you'd probably end up being seen by your urologist and we would certainly take great interest in that changing PSA. I know that a good majority of men hesitate about having this physical examination done, but is it really any worse for them than women having a pap smear? Oh, no. No, goodness. The benefit to the women is that they start so early. I have two daughters, two. One's only 20, one's 18. Uh, certainly my older one will have seen her own GP about a pap smear, and she would be very happy to to control that herself and to have it looked at every two years and, and she's 20 and mm -hmm. over, the, over time it's part of her life. I'm sure the GP would take the opportunity to examine her generally, send off some blood tests, check her blood pressure, do the usual things but she is in the system at 20 and happy to be there. She's, she's a modern outgoing 20 year old who knows exactly where she wants to be. The men though from 18 and 20 have no reason to go to the doctor for anything. And they'll hang off as late as possible until either, as I've said, something goes wrong with them or something with a friend. But the actual physical examination, I suspect, is it is invasive to your privacy. It is fairly gentle, taking about 10 or 15 seconds. It involves no instrument being inserted but a gloved finger. Uh, and I think in lots of ways it is less invasive than the pap smear for the woman. It's just that most women have had that procedure over the years and they got accustomed to it. The men find it a little bit of a bit of a shock. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols and I'm discussing with Dr. Greg Levinston how more men can be persuaded to have regular health checks. Doctor, how many other organisations are involved in this project? Well, that's a good question. We certainly see ourselves as part of a big group. Uh, men's health organisations have been in this uh, field for a lot longer than we have as Freemasons. We're very pleased to be uh, helping them and having their assistance. There are some major players that I could just quickly nominate. One is Medicare, which come November has introduced uh, an item rebateable for 45-year-olds to go and have a health check. Uh, primarily uh, men or women, but certainly they've finally decided that the 45-year-old man should get a health check covered by Medicare, and I think that's a huge step forward for us all. Mm. We are uh, helping Rotary, who've been running uh, prostate disease uh, awareness for a long time. Uh, they're a foundation of men's health research, primarily at the University of Adelaide in South Australia. Uh, we've uh, got uh, federal support, obviously, uh, from Tony Abbott, and we're in partnership with Beyond Blue, the depressive initiative that's run uh, or chaired by uh, Jeff Kennett, and we're very pleased to have them on board as well. Are you finding it difficult to get um, publicity? We were initially, and, I, and that's why we developed the No More Secrets campaign. So the more secrets we talk about of our organisation, the more attractive we are to the media. And obviously, we're not secretive. We do have secrets, and when we get to, a, to an extent where I'm happy to say that too. But, but in doing that, in most of the media, that gets us a position to talk about mental health. We are running this month across Australia and New Zealand uh, the equivalent of 10 men's health seminars a day, 300 for the month, and uh, that's giving us uh, quite a deal of exposure to men and women who come in 
to these seminars free of charge and the information is uh, cutting edge, uh, state of the, of the art. We do manage to get ourselves into the media as well, whether that be TV, radio or press, uh, and that's been terrific. That's not something we've tried to do before. But in badging the two secrets together, we are interesting to the media as well. And we produced our DVD, which we've distributed around the community as well, uh, which has been well received and has uh, increased the interest and awareness as well. Now, the DVD, is that available to anyone who asks for it? Yes, if people wish a copy, they could ring the United Grand Lodge of New South Wales. Uh, if you want that number, I can... Yes, please. Zero two nine two six seven nine one double three. And the Grand Secretary would be only too happy to send out a copy to anybody who wishes a copy of that DVD. Okay, I'll put that at the end of the program as well. Have you any idea of the response that you're getting from men from asking for this information? Yes, we have been running exit polls, that's number one, and talking to the men who've been at the actual seminars, and and the overwhelmingly positive response uh, and well-received. We've been running industry partnerships as well, so that exit package that we've created is now distributed uh, in the wage packets to probably a half a million men this month uh, in mining, police, emergency services, um, tourism, banking, finance industries that have taken the package as as well as uh, Lions and Apex and Rotary and they've taken the package as well. And we're very pleased as uh, as I've said before with the media coverage too which probably gets us to many more than we had imagined we could do a year ago. Mm. So how long do you think it will be or how long do you hope it will be before men really start taking heed of the message that you are now very widely putting out? Well, time is of the essence, and I personally would hope sooner rather than too late. Uh, and I refer, when I talk to the men, that, that it's primarily, uh, I think, more important than super in the way of uh, an investment in your future. I mean, superannuation is something the government looks at and wishes us to be involved with, but this is by way of putting your health into that superannuation and giving yourself a chance down the track. And I think the, the harder we push this, the better. I think we have probably got out there to many more than we expected and the message is moving along rapidly. Uh, To an extent, by the way, that I was a bit concerned that my colleagues, medical colleagues, might not be aware of this. So I've put a small article in the Medical Observer which goes around Australia just for doctors to be aware that over the next six months I am hoping that uh, many men come into their surgeries absolutely cold saying, I've heard I should have a checkup," and uh, I'll watch the feedback from that as well. But I'm expecting lots and lots of men to do this. Do you think that there'll be men who sort of say, well, I've been for the checkup, everything's okay, I don't need to go back? Do you think that some of them will adopt that attitude? Oh, I think that's always possible. Uh, I'm just happy they came in. We, we developed a, a small card which says check in or check out. And it's a little like getting a pink slip for your health. We are expecting the men to relate to this checkup to be annual as they would have their car registered. And I'm, ho- I'm hoping that, that the idea of a pink slip for health catches on and that it's seen to be an annual checkup. And how much of a part in this are you relying on women to be active in, like you sh- really should go? Well, the seminars are open to men and women. I must say about half, half the attendees are, are women, which is tremendous. 
if we come back to being a GP here, there's many times that I will sit down and be asked by the man, can you check my prostate? But be asked by the woman, can you check our prostate? <laughs> and they'll both be sitting looking at me. And of course, that's how it is. I'm happy to have them in here and happy to have them driving their men in for their checkups. Most of the information we give out at these seminars is community generic. We're talking heart, bowel, lifestyle change, uh, depression, uh, all those issues involve men and women. That, that's not a point. There is, a, there is some discussion on prostate. Uh, if that seminar runs a urologist, we're just as interested in talking about depression and heart disease. Um, heart disease probably kills uh, 50% of the community, whereas uh, breast cancer and prostate are way down the bottom. They're about equal, but they're much lesser mm. than heart disease. So it's important to get the message out in that area as well to the men and the women. Do you think there's a risk of the women being seen as nagging? In this particular case, absolutely not. I would prefer they just get those men in here time after time after time. I'm very supportive of that. Now, just before we go, the telephone number again for people to get hold of the DVD is 02-9267-9133. That's correct. And they can pick up all the information they need from that. Yes, they can. It's very user-friendly. It's split into uh, nine speakers covering the major topics that we've been talking about today. They can just have one uh, 10-minute section on heart or prostate and they don't have to watch the rest of the DVD if they don't wish to. Or they can sit down and, and watch the whole thing. It lasts about two hours. The speakers are terrific. Uh, it's a very current information and very useful for individuals and community groups. My guest today has been Dr. Greg Levenston. He's the Deputy Grand Master Freemasonry in New South Wales and the ACT. Dr. Levenston, thank you so much for talking to me and giving us so much information. Iris, it's been my pleasure. I thank you also for giving us a chance to reach out to the community. And if there's anything they wish to know, obviously they know how to get in touch with me. Thank you very much. Pleasure. You've been listening to Wellbeing and from all of us here, we wish all of our listeners well.